Anybody that can go and get involved in a, a section of our community that is struggling will give you sense of perspective and gratitude on your life, regardless of what your present circumstances are, regardless of what they are. And it is amazing to me when I see people that are givers are just amazing people that attract so many wonderful people and wonderful things to their lives. And I simply like to be involved in those communities and those circles. And that's what I do is I go out there and I find those folks that are giving of themselves and they're prioritizing service. And then I've just taken that back into my work world. And I've said, what if I just put work on a service plane where all I'm trying to do is help others? I'm trying to help customers. I'm trying to help our employees. I'm trying to help anybody that is involved. I'm saying, where can I help? That changed my world when I did that. Hello and welcome to Inside Out. My name is Billy Samoa Salibi and I'm your host. Through interviews and case studies, I examine how transformational insights have helped propel the lives and careers of exceptionally successful people. These major breakthrough moments teach valuable lessons that will help us in business and in life. Today's guest is Chris Wall, the co-founder of Switch Power and a dynamic leader with over 20 years of leadership experience, including a decade leading some of the highest performing teams in the solar industry. Chris is a strategic and caring leader, and I've seen firsthand the impact he makes. He's absolutely adored by his teams, and I think you'll see why as you get to know him on today's episode. On the show, we learn what he means when he says he likes to stay where his feet are, why perspective and gratitude have been central themes in his life, and he'll get very personal and share why serving others, especially those that need it most, has been such a critical component of his life. We'll also learn how he manages such a busy schedule while never compromising the things that keep him healthy, what he means when he says he's all in, and what TED Talk did he watch that changed his life. We also learn why he believes living your legacy is so important. This show is full of insights like these and others, so let's get into the conversation with Chris Wall and another episode of Inside Out. So, Chris Wall, I am absolutely thrilled to have this opportunity to connect with you on the show. You and I have gotten to know each other through the years. We worked together at Solar City. And I just got to say, I mean, when I didn't know you personally, I knew of you by reputation. You've exceeded any reputation that I've, I've heard about you. And the reputation was so, so stellar. And I could say this with great confidence that you've impacted thousands of people's lives. And that's a rare thing to be said about someone. And the type of impact that you've had, whether that be 
through your community or through your career, I know that you can look back with great gratitude and just realizing the fact that the difference that you've made in people's lives matters. And before I got a chance to know you, I didn't know that much about you other than people always raved about you. And so as I got to know you, of course, I realized why they were raving about you is you're the real deal. You're a genuine, authentic human being that cares deeply about connecting and being somebody that doesn't put up a false persona, that the persona that you put out is you. And so I'm grateful to have you on the show. So thank you. And to get started, you know, for those that don't know you, I would love for you to share your background and your story. Yeah. So thank you. The opportunity just to be able to share a little bit here is it's an honor and I have a ton of respect for you and, and really, really appreciate it. I wouldn't normally I don't, I've been asked to do this a few times and it usually depends upon the spirit in which I am being sort of pulled in. And what I like about you, Billy, is that you allow me to be me. And that's what I've loved about a few of my previous employers as well, is they allowed me to be me. So thank you for the opportunity. And and this is an honor. Uh, So I grew up in a neat little house in Portland, Oregon. And ultimately, I found myself a little disgruntled as a child. And I was pulled in a lot of really strange directions. And it sort of built who I am today. And I had a lot of really unique experiences. Some I may share a little bit later, but ultimately I found myself in a position where I had to make some tough choices as a teenager. And I got put back on the right track and got a chance to finish college. Portland State University is my alma mater. And I got involved in wireless telecommunications. And I knew that these little things called Blackberries back in the day, and and we were using two-way pagers back in the day. I just knew that there was going to be an incredible opportunity there. And I jumped in, I joined some of the great companies in the wireless space and really just wrote it for a really, really amazing run and had a lot of fun with the technology. Prior to that, I was with Nike. And uh, so it's been Nike, T-Mobile. And then I found myself saying, man, I really would love for my work to really lean into the legacy that I would like to leave behind. And part of that had to do with our environment and uh, really caring about what we're passing on to future generations. And I didn't have any future generations at the time to pass along to, but I knew that my now wife and I had plans to, and I got a chance to join Solar City pretty early in 2008. When I was in training, we found out we were having our first child. So I just knew at that point that that was all lined up. And I've been in the solar industry now for the last 11 years, and it's been a really, really amazing run. And I haven't had to be somebody else at work than I've had to be in the rest of my world. And, uh, and I've really appreciated that. I've been able to be authentic. I've been able to sit in front of customers and be rigorously honest with them about what to expect, both from a process as well as from a savings and from a future perspective. And I've really appreciated that. And I've tried to just simply replicate it. Now I'm an owner of a business in the solar space and we're doing some really amazing things and having an impact and continuing to be able to be authentic to those that we come in contact with. And ultimately, when I put my head on my pillow at night, I know that I've been honest with those that are in my circles and those that uh, are uh, in my customer base. It feels really, really good. Hoping it can continue, right? So we just keep plugging away. There are no guarantees. We're trying to zig when we're supposed to zig and zag when we're supposed to zag. And it's a pretty awesome ride. I I have this overall philosophy in life that kind of guides me is that it is my responsibility. If life is in a canoe, It is my job to row, 
but it's not necessarily my job to establish direction. And I just try and row a lot and I try and put in a lot of action. And where that canoe takes me in life has been really, really spectacular, way better than I could ever have planned or imagined. And uh, I just keep rowing one day at a time. I love it, man. So powerful. And you just have a way of explaining things that connects. And I appreciate that about you. And whether it be, you know, the rigorous authenticity that you put out into the universe, or it be the fact that, you know, when you put your head down on the pillow at night, that you could feel good about what you're doing and the interactions that you're having and the service that you're providing at work and in your community. You know, as I've gotten to know you, one thing that has become extremely apparent and clear to me is that your work life is really only one part of your life. You're a family man. You give so much to your family. I know how much they mean to you because I know that you don't compromise when it comes to making sure that you're there for them. Along with that, you give back to your community and I'll let you speak to what exactly that means, but you have spent hundreds and and even thousands of hours selflessly giving back to your community. And that right there is just clear example of the type of person you are, you know, in a society where let's face it, a lot of what we do is based on greed and is based on doing what's most important for us. And frankly, being selfish, I think you're the perfect example of the exact opposite of that. And with that being said, you have a lot on your plate. I mean, with all these different things that you're doing, that requires a lot of you, a lot of your time. And my question is this, how do you do it? And how do you do it all so well? Hmm. Man, I, I'm honored to say that I do it all so well because uh, I am my own worst critic, right? So I know all the things that I don't get done in a day or that I didn't quite accomplish entirely, but I really appreciate the kind words. And uh, you know, I think a lot of it is about balance. And for me, it's about staying where my feet are. It's really, really critical you know, I've got uh, on any given day, I've got, you know, 50 or so things that I want to accomplish that day. And they rank in various priorities, right? And staying where my feet are is really, really important because it's really easy to get ahead of myself and I'm starting to shortchange or I'm starting to do the all evil multitask where I'm maybe I'm on the phone with somebody and, and it takes a little bit of a slight turn. And I think, oh, here's my opportunity to get a little bit of email done. And I've got to fight that urge. Because that urge is a really, really dangerous place that pulls me away from being present. It pulls me away from having that opportunity to really to to serve. And that staying where my feet are is it exists when I'm uh, starting my day in a little bit of meditation and uh, a little bit of centering. Uh, Staying where my feet are if I'm out for a jog with my dog. Staying where my feet are when I'm having a conversation with my wife and making sure that uh, that I'm not. I'm not taking on more than what's in the, in the very moment and staying where my feet are when I'm hanging out with my kiddos. My family gets the worst of me. I will say that because they usually get me at the end of the day when I've been sort of all wrung out and squeezed out from life. And so one of the things that I know some people would maybe have a challenge with of my overall philosophy is I never give 100%. And now that might sound like, you know, that I'm a half measures guy, but the problem is if I give 100%, I have nothing left to give if something else comes up. And I just never know when something else might come up. And so I always try and have a little bit of reserve left in the tank, whether it's a conference call, whether it's a a speaking engagement, whether it's a 
community involvement project that I'm with, whether it's with my kids or with my wife, I just have to make sure that I've got a little bit left in the tank because there are days that I think that I'm done and then I get a call and I get a call and there might be a frantic mother or father on the other end of the line and they're having, they're struggling with a child that uh, they got my number through somebody that knows me and, and they know that I've had some experience on the, uh, on the addiction recovery side. And they say, Hey, can you help us out? And if I've given a hundred percent at that point, I may not be able to have that opportunity to give at that point. And so I really stay focused around having a little bit left at the end of each moment at the end of each day. And I've got to be really cognizant of that. And there's sometimes that I just have to kind of shut some stuff down. Say, I got to get my batteries recharged. I recharge my batteries through a number of different things, through exercise and through eating right. But most importantly, it's about community involvement for me and helping guys in the recovery community in my world and being able to get back on their feet. And that's what I try and do. And I have this sort of it seems like a crazy juggling act, but when I'm staying where my feet are, there's nothing more to juggle than what's right in front of me, right? As I sit here with you, Billy, doing this amazing podcast, there's a ton of other things that can be going on, but I'm not allowing myself to go there, both mentally or physically. I'm right here with you. I'm all in. I'm 100% present. And I made sure that I was sort of in sort of fit condition to sort of be with you right now as well. I made sure that I ate right. I made sure that I got enough sleep last night. And there's sort of a lot that sort of plays into it. And so I would say that it's, uh, it's about balance and it's about perspective that plays into it as well. Perspective is one of these amazing things that I'm not sure, not sure if it's me, not sure if it's a human trait, but I will just say for me, I have a wiring that likes to have a default setting that I got the short end of the stick or let a, that an old buddy of mine used to say, I got the fuzzy end of the lollipop, right? And when I feel like that's going on, when I feel like I've got problems and I'm using problems in quotations because it's rare that I have problems. Most of the time I have challenges. But when I start to, th- when I don't go out and gain a healthy sense of perspective about where my life is and where the health of my family is or the financial well-being or the the gifts and the blessings, all the things that are so plentiful in my life. If I haven't gone out and gotten a healthy sense of perspective on that, gosh, I start to think that those challenges are actually problems. And I start to think that I got the short end of the stick. And I start to think that these things feel insurmountable. And, uh, and the simple reality is that, uh, that a challenge is simply an opportunity to grow. One of my mentors likes to say, Chris, if it's uncomfortable, it's probably because you're growing. And I really like that. And so I lean into that level of discomfort and getting that healthy sense of perspective keeps me trudging through some of these rather mundane things or you know, some of the challenging things that are going on because uh, my life progressively continues to get better. And I would say that There are times that I've gone through significant challenges and the better is about my mental state, about my perspective on it. My attitude towards it has gotten so much better over the years and that I'm really grateful for. Well, look, I mean, you're talking about some things that I think are so valuable to understand and to appreciate, whether that be perspective and gaining insight into what we may perceive as problems or really just challenges or bumps in the road especially when compared to what it could be. And if you have that kind of perspective, I think it's a powerful 
lens to look through. When we look at balance and we think about balance, I'd love to dive a bit deeper. And you talk about you know staying where your feet are. For the audience listening, what exactly do you mean? Talk to me a little bit about being present and, and being in the here and now versus looking perhaps too far in the future or even too far in the past. Yeah, absolutely. There was a, an old adage that was passed on to me many years ago that was, uh, you know, one, one foot in tomorrow and one foot in yesterday leaves me pissing all over today. And I, I really like it a lot because it's, uh, it is so true. I certainly don't do well dwelling on things that in the past. And sometimes I find myself saying, oh, I should have said this or I should have done this. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, And uh, the reality is I made the best decisions based upon what I knew at the time. And I can't second guess that today. And then in the future, most of the time in the future, it, 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 has a, it, it leans into some fear, right? There's a, the fear that I'm not going to get what I want or what I need or fear that I'm going to lose something that I already have. And where, where I have to come sort of pull that in is I have to have a, uh, I have to have a, a faith that things are going to work out and things are going to be good. And, and where that comes for me is starting my day in some quiet time. I use an app called the Insight Timer, and Insight Timer has this incredible collection of both guided and unguided meditations and music and things that can just help me get centered. <sighs> Taking a few deep breaths, right? It's amazing how often that I don't take deep breaths. Now, let me, let me sort of go off onto a quick little tangent. Growing up, I started smoking at a really early age. And uh, it was terrible. And I, I got myself into a really, really bad position health-wise. By the time that I was 20 years old, I was hospitalized with some serious lung issues. And what I found out after quitting smoking and getting past that is that all that I was doing when I was smoking was doing a breathing exercise. <laughs> and that breathing exercise was helping me to relax. Obviously, there was nicotine involved in the equation. And I haven't had to have that addiction in, in over 25 years and, and it hasn't ruled me and, and I've been a healthy, healthy individual since, but I have not lost the value of that breathing exercise. And it's so often that when I get caught up in things, my breaths get really shallow, right? And I just have to remind myself to slow down and take a breath and take a deep breath. And um, that quiet time helps, helps me to do that. And the other piece to this, which is a lot of this is just sort of it's an interlinking. It's about gratitude for me. And on a frequent basis, I take a many times a mental gratitude list. And sometimes I take a physical or a written gratitude list as well. And I get really, really nuts and bolts around my gratitude list. I get down to 10 fingers, 10 toes, two legs, my sense of hearing, my sense of taste, my sense of eyesight, albeit fading as the years go by right? My gratitude for where I live and the home in which that I've been blessed to live in and my family. And I just, I go through these lists and it is very difficult to go through a gratitude list and to not feel better afterwards. That's really difficult. And what that also does is it gives me this sense of perspective. And when I see somebody that's in a wheelchair, for instance, that, need, that wheels themselves into a room that I'm in, I'm grateful for the fact that I did many things when I was a teenager that would have put me in that same predicament from driving and from different extreme sports that I was involved in. And I'm grateful for the fact that I have two working legs and that, uh, that I do that. And I don't, 
I don't take that for granted today. And a gratitude list allows me to appreciate the things that I have. Because for whatever reason, my default settings are to focus on the things that maybe I don't have. And when I do that, I get into this entitlement. And entitlement, I think, is the greatest danger that I have as a grateful human being. And so when I take that gratitude list on a frequent basis, I really sort of sense that what's really important in the world, and it really gives me a healthy sense of perspective. And I think perspective is ultimately what guides me every single day and keeps me uh, driving for greater good and keeping my life on a service plane. Yeah, thank you. I think you're touching on something that's powerful. And when you have a list of things that you're grateful for, and you really believe you deserve those things and that you're not just grateful for the sake of being grateful, but that you're accepting those things into your life. It's hard to be in a bad mood. It's hard to get frustrated. It's more challenging to be in a bad place when you recognize that you have so much to be grateful for. I know it hasn't always been that way. You've shared with me, and I'm going to ask that you share in whatever way you feel comfortable But you've shared with me, you've had struggles in your life. And and at a young age, I know you struggled with addiction and it's something that you haven't shied away from sharing. You don't publicize it, but you also are incredibly active in the addiction recovery community. I'm curious what insights you've gleaned as a result of being an addict and going through the recovery that you went through so many years ago, but also the insights that you've had along the way. How has that played a role in your life and And I'm just curious what insights you've had as a result. Yeah, absolutely. I walked through a a literal hell in my late teenage years battling addiction. And there's no such thing as winning in addiction, but there is recovery. I was introduced to some people that helped me. And all that I've done since then is played a really simple game of follow the leader in following those people through life and helping others. And I can say that I've helped thousands of people on that side. And I stay very, very involved. And that's part of a tribe that I think is really important. And not to divert too far off of this, but sort of that perspective and gratitude, it's really, really important that I surround myself with other people that value gratitude and perspective in their life. It's sometimes harder to find because we have a tendency to be a society that is entitled and is looking for the glass being half empty. And I have to find those people that are very optimistic. And, you know, I find those people are generally involved in service and focusing on helping others. And these pains and challenges that I went through in my teenage years, you know, I eventually found myself, I was 18 years old, I was a high school dropout, and I was homeless. And I came from a house that that was not expected. My dad was an executive and we had a great, beautiful life. But addiction is an equal opportunity disease. And I unfortunately received it. Today, I'm grateful that I have it. I'm grateful that I'm on the the right side of addiction. And uh, that's on the recovery side. Today, it's my responsibility to show uh, guys that are struggling how to get on the other side of that and what the instructions that were given to me I have not come up with anything unique or creative in that respect. I have simply uh, followed the same recipe on how to get out of that. It's been really, really amazing. And, And when I'm involved in my local community on the addiction side, I am reminded of the insanity of the disease and the insanity of the decisions that are made. And I don't take for granted today of my recovery. And I continue to make investments into it. 
those investments are prioritizing some of my time. And it's been this amazing gift. Now, listeners, this is very likely not your reality. But what I can say that you can glean from my experience is that anybody that can go and get involved in a a section of our community that is struggling will give you sense of perspective and gratitude on your life, regardless of what your present circumstances are, regardless of what they are. And it is amazing to me when I see people that are givers are just amazing people that attract so many wonderful people and wonderful things to their lives. And I simply like to be involved in those communities and those circles. And that's what I do is I go out there and I find those folks that are giving of themselves and they're prioritizing service. And then I've just taken that back into my work world. And I've said, what if I just put work on a service plane where all I'm trying to do is help others? I'm trying to help customers. I'm trying to help our employees. I'm trying to help anybody that is involved. I'm saying, where can I help? That changed my world when I did that. Mm, and uh, that was powerful. not, uh, I don't believe that that's in the, uh, the, the handbook on life when we're going through school. And I believe that was something that was passed on to me that, uh, that I've passed on to many people as well. And I've never seen it fail when we put our life on a service plane that we get so many amazing gifts and such an incredible perspective on what our present circumstances might be. When did you have that realization? Because that's an insight, right? I mean, that, that's clear as day, lightning rod. You, you had this aha moment, this realization that when you give back, when you serve others, the more you help, the more you receive. And it's not about the receiving, but they do go hand in hand. Curious when you had that realization. It was about 25 years ago. I had done a, a very, very personal and emotional inventory on my life up to that point, and that I was a selfish taker in this world. I was a leech on society and those around me. I was a really, really poor example of a good human being. And what I found out quickly was that when I had an opportunity to give, I walked away every single time from those situations feeling better. And I equate it, if I put it into sort of a financial equation, is that if I, when I put in a nickel, I get out a dime. This is not a get rich quick scheme, right? In the respect of giving, right? I don't give a little and I'm suddenly just, it's not raining Skittles at that point. The simple reality is I start to chip away at some of the bad wiring that exists in my mind and some of the self-doubt and some of the fear. And it took a long time and it took a lot of giving to be able to start to feel better. But 25 years ago, I committed to putting my life on a service plane and geez, I have not been perfect at it. There's been times that I got caught up in the hustle and the struggle and the delusion that I needed to really try and manage my life and manage my finances. And I've just turned that over to the celestial beings and just said that when I put my life on a service plane, I'm taken care of in those other areas. I'm simply taken care of. And so I just keep plugging away and just trying to help others. I can remember vividly when helping somebody and they turned to me and said, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice of time. Thank you for the willingness to be participate in my life. What that felt like, like I'm feeling the emotion right now inside because that is real. Because when you're a, when you're just a taker, when it flips and you're a giver, the amount of grace and goodness that comes pouring in can be overwhelming. Today, I'm just, I simply seek 
to be able to continue to feel that. And roughly, oh gosh, every single day I find an opportunity to give. And here's what I've had to come to the conclusion of is that I can't be everything to everybody, but I can be something to somebody every single day. Love that. So you've been on a service plane for 25 years and to your own admission, you're not perfect, right? There's going to be, you're going to get caught up in the hustle and bustle and that's life, right? But you do remind yourself and you do get back on that service plane. And 25 years ago, you had this insight about yourself, about your, at the time, selfish and very self-centered approach to life where it was a big, it was about taking and not really about giving. What else stands out as you reflect and you look back on your life as a pivot point, a moment where you had that lightning rod, right? That change. And we call them insights because we look inward. Literally the definition of insight is to look inward. What other insights or discoveries have you had that stand out in that same realm? Yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to Brene Brown. Hopefully she's listening and can give a like on this one. And uh, hopefully we don't have to uh, filter her name out because she is an amazing, amazing speaker and inspirer. And I remember listening to her TED talk on vulnerability a few years ago, and it changed my life because my wiring at the time was that you don't show vulnerability. Vulnerability is one of these things that it's handled on a couch in a psychiatrist's office at $300 an hour, and, it, and, it, and it, you, you shut the door on that and you never look at it again. What I found out from her research findings and an incredible ability to be able to communicate that out to the masses was that that vulnerability was the only thing that truly connected me to other human beings. And I, and I took her her research and her teachings, and I applied that to business. And what I realized was that I was, at the time, I was managing an organization of about a hundred people. I had managers underneath me, but we had, you know, we would do a lot of, we were a very close 100 person organization. And that I established that I always sort of this bad wiring told me that I needed to be Superman in front of everybody. I needed to be able to sort of take all of the the, 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 whether it's combatants and whether it's challenges and whatever it is. And I couldn't show any weakness or, or challenge, or, or I couldn't, I couldn't visibly show that. And what I was, what I was displaying at the time was that I was non-human and that folks couldn't relate to me because the stage character that I put out there didn't have any impact to those same things that were impacting them, the fears, the concerns. And I remember the vivid moment in which I practiced those teachings for the very first time. And I had gone on a hiring spree and hired a whole bunch of people in anticipation of the, the business growing on a trajectory faster in which that it was growing. And it actually did the opposite. The business actually slowed down. But I had grown our organization by about 35%. And we couldn't feed all the troops. We couldn't feed all the folks that we had on board. And I had people that had been with us for five, six, seven years that were scratching their head as to say, why, why hire all these additional people? We don't have enough to feed us. You just, we, we sort of spread the starvation. 
and I get, and I had the opportunity to stand up in front of the 120 or so folks at the time. And I said, I messed up. I made a mistake. And I apologize. And I'm here to make it right. And I got into action and I, and I laid out a plan of how we were going to come out of that. But in sort of laying myself out in a vulnerability perspective, I had this incredible outpouring from them saying, how can we help? Thank you so much, right? I've never seen somebody do that before. These were the things that I was hearing. What I was told was that my wiring said, if I say that I've been imperfect, they're going to run and go find some other organization or some other person to work with because I'm not perfect. And the reality was when I laid myself out there, they said, we are all in and we're here to help. Let's do this. And we locked arms together and we persevered through and became the top team in the country once again. And it was only through that vulnerability that they saw the fact that I was human and that they, 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 they saw that I was real. And, uh, and it's funny because that was just bad wiring that I don't know where it came from. I, I'm not here to blame anybody. I'm simply here to make adjustments to my life and adjustments to how I look at things. And that was a, an epiphany, an amazing moment that both the, the TED series and Brene Brown changed my life through. And that's not unique, right? I think that the conversation that was started as a result of her research has had a profound impact on thousands of people because at the end of the day, what we all want is connection. And, it's, and we want the human connection. And it's difficult to be connected to someone that's a non-human, somebody that is afraid to show their true self somebody that's afraid to show that they have imperfection, somebody that's afraid to say they made a mistake, right? And so, so when right. you display that vulnerability and when it's coming from a, your heart, people feel that and they want to help. That's why they're all in. Speaking of all in, you, know, you, you talked about how you start your day and I'm always intrigued and fascinated by people and their approach to setting themselves up for success. And you talked about the app that you use, Insightful. I'm wondering what other ways do you set yourself up on that success trajectory on a daily basis? Because clearly it could go off the tracks in an instant if you're not too careful, especially with the amount that you have on your plate. What, what's your process? What do you do to set yourself up for success? Yeah, so it's sort of to go one step before connectedness and quiet time, I've got to make sure I got enough sleep. And what I have found under my years on this planet is that not all of us need the same amount of sleep to feel whole. <laughs> and I've figured out what that is for me. And, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm happy to report that it's not less than eight. <laughs> now, the, I know some people that get four hours of sleep and they get a lot, they seem to get a lot done. Uh, but, but I know that uh, for me, eight hours is my number. And that might change over time and it might change circumstantially as well. But I set myself up from a, a time that I shut it down at night so that I can properly have uh, the right amount of sleep. I, I, I call it recharging my batteries at night so that I can wake up refreshed and ready to go. And it's so 
so critical. It is so easy, especially as a business owner, to push the envelope in the evening as, of how far, how long I work, how long I take part in per, you know, certain activities. And I have to be really, really careful that I don't get too emotionally invested in a certain activity too late at night. Has a tendency to get me all stirred up and riled up too late and I just don't sleep very well. And that's going to set me up for a rough day. And uh, most of those days I'm sort of, I'm, I'm sideways. And so getting proper amount of sleep, connecting in with insight timer, just making sure that I'm sort of getting in tune with the universe. I call it my resting heart rate. And when I wake up and I'm sort of getting connected, I check in with my heart rate because fear has a tendency to drive my heart rate much faster than it's than it really should be going. Sometimes I have a subconscious fear or subconscious concern going on that is driving my heart rate and that I've got to I've got to step in. I've got to lean into my tribe a little bit, make a phone call and say, "Hey, I'm just a, I'm a little bit off right now." And that's also part of the vulnerability. I have a group, a tribe of guys that I can lean into and just say, I'm feeling funky today. Here's what's going on. Maybe it was a disagreement. Maybe, maybe I got cut off in traffic, right? Maybe, maybe I had a funky dream. I've had a fair amount of those in my life, right? And I just sort of wake up and I'm just like, my head's all over the place. And I, and I pour myself out to the people that are in my tribe that give me a healthy sense of perspective and allow me to talk about it. Because when I don't talk about something, and it has a tendency to start to rule me or own me. And when I talk about it, it takes the power out of it. That's a really, really important sort of aspect to my day is I've got to be really accountable to those things. You and I can have a conversation and you'll never know that I'm, I've got some sort of brainstorm processing fear, whatever we might want to call it going on. It's only me being really honest with myself to say, I've got to cast that out amongst my support group to be able to get that out there so that I'm not being sort of drugged through the mud on it, you know, so to speak. And uh, that's really, really important. And then I'm going to talk about eating right and, uh, you know, drinking enough water. There's just, there's so much to it. I've got to be accountable to sort of the mind, the body and the spirit. When I am, I have some really, really amazing days and you know, I, I know what it's like to eat right. I know what it's like not to eat right. And I'm, I am not perfect. You and I talked about this right before this podcast, right? I'm going out for Thai food with my tribe tonight, and we're likely <laughs> going to do some ice cream afterwards. And that's okay. I just can't do that every day. <laughs> I love how you say, do some ice cream. <laughs> it's, it's a funny way of saying it, but it's, it's because you know, you kind of feel a little bit guilty doing it, going to putting that in your body. But at the same time, I think it's okay to have uh, moments where you do enjoy sort of things that maybe aren't the healthiest, but they uh, still a fun night out with your tribe. That sounds amazing. Well, and to that point, I think that I've tried to strike a balance in my life. I've had times of my life that I jumped from extreme to extreme. I had time that I just did zero sugar. Well, I know my body very well, and my body starts to revolt when it doesn't get a little bit of sugar. Now, I've also gone to the other extreme where I just had too much, and I know what that feels like as well. Just about every day, my wife can attest to this, just about every day, I've got a little something sweet that I indulge in. It's about balance and portion control for me. And when I do that, 
it's justified and accepted in my life to do it. I give myself the ability to be able to excite my taste buds every now and again as well. But when I go overboard, I know that I pay the price. It's one of those pieces that I think is really, really important because how we view ourselves, that internal filter is so critical where we bring ourselves into every situation, whether it be one-on-ones or public speaking. When we have self-doubt, when we've not been authentic and accountable to ourselves, that comes through. And it's a responsibility that I have to myself to be able to do that. Yeah, it's it's all comes down to your own, the choices that you make on a daily basis. And you talk about when you set yourself up for success, you know, it starts with the sleep and the charging of your battery, the food that you eat, the water that you drink, the mindset that you have. It all has a important, a critically important effect on how you are able to tackle the day. And so one of the things that I started this conversation with was talking about your leadership and talking about the reputation that you've built. Leadership is a certainly one of the main topics that we discuss on this show. And it's something that I know that you have just natural ability, but I also know it's something that you work at. So curious what insights you have and what you what you feel are the keys to your success as a leader. Gosh, it's it's interesting because I, I I sometimes challenge I challenge the reality that I'm a leader. Again, that's a lot of times just what our, you know, our, our heads are our worst, our own worst critics, right? They know all the weird, random thoughts that happen. But what I have simply tried to do is to be a good example. And in being a good example, I've been able to pass on a few little things, right? A few little tidbits. And one of the things that I think is really, really important, you know, I operated for most of my career in sales and sales leadership capacity. And the importance about wiping off this virtual dry erase board that exists inside of our mind, right? And, you know, if you were to look at my dry erase board at any one given time, there is, you know, there's family and there's community and there's that my kids and my wife and my business and my finances, there's a lot going on there. And when I walk into a situation whether it be a one-on-one, whether it be a public speaking engagement, whether it be just coming home and spending a little bit of time with my kids, I wipe off that dry erase board. And I've done perfectly. I spend a little bit of time in my car before I walk into my house. And I just go ahead and clear off what is on there, right? What are the things that are pulling me in different directions? And when I do that, I can be all in. And I can be completely present. And when I'm present, I'm aware. And when I'm aware, I'm of service. And that's what I have passed on from a leadership perspective, I think, to the people that have, that have both worked for me and that I've worked with, is that we have an opportunity to be of service in every area of our life if we can simply, simply look for that opportunity to do it. And I think that that is sort of the essence of it. And I sort of take life on two planes and that is love and that is service. And when I can approach life in such a way, it's funny because many times our default is we sort of have that wall up, right? Like it's protection. And that protection may have come from, you know, trauma and and things in the past that have certainly built that wall, but it's not doing us much good 
if we've surrounded ourselves in a good tribe and we've involved ourselves in a, in a business that is doing right and that, uh, that we can be authentic, we don't need to have those walls up. And it's to be able to drop those down and to be us and to be real, we sure make a really, really strong connection in this world. I've been invited and attended all sorts of different events with both customers and uh, employees and different community members where they just connect quick. And where I find that connection to happen fast is when they trust. And trust only comes from authenticity. And I talk a lot about having a stage character. And sometimes that stage character is 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 a is a war. Yeah, I had I had it this morning. I had somebody show up to my house to give me a bid on some uh, a job at my house, and and I could tell this person was not real. That was their stage character. That was their work character, and I did not. I, I trusted him as far as I could throw him, and I just I never connected with him, and I tried to take those examples. He was a good example of a bad example. <laughs> and I take that as an opportunity to say, I want to be different in the world. And we'll talk a little bit later, I hope, about legacy and that living our legacy is about doing things right in each day. And it, it isn't about sort of getting to the very end. It's about staying accountable to the things that we're doing within a given day. Yeah, I'm looking forward to diving in on that topic and kind of just to piggyback on some of the things you said, you know, the interactions that you have, the decisions you make, those are the things that really allow for people to want to follow you or not. And if you have outstanding interactions and if you make good decisions, and and clearly not every decision will be good, but sometimes when you make that bad decisions and you're honest about it, it ends up being fine because you just had another great interaction, right? You had authentic, you had an authentic moment where you said, Hey, I made a mistake. One of the things you shared with me in the past was you make a choice to have an impact on people's lives. Talk a little bit about what that means to you and and why that's something that's a central theme in your life. Yeah, I have a philosophy that wherever I am is where I'm supposed to be. There's no mistake that I'm at a customer's house or that I'm sitting in an office with, with an employer, with a group of people. I have a philosophy that I am there for a reason. I have no idea what it is most of the time. And that's okay. All that I want to be is I want to be all in. I want to be present. I want to be there. And that when I am, that there's that opportunity of having impact. And I just never know what that's going to be. It's so funny too, as I've sort of, you know, hindsight is always 2020. And I can look back on my life of having certain interactions with people. And they sort of were, they were brought into my life mysteriously and uh, and our interactions came together and and we had connectedness and then maybe we were apart for a little while and then it came back and I said I can't dismiss the reality that I am in front of this person again and I just need to be really present and in being present sometimes things come up and you know, I, I, there are a lot of things that happen within the sort of the human race right now that are very, everything's on the, a lot of things are really on the surface, right? You know, we, we, we have social media that it sort of presents our life in potentially the best light possible. 
so that we never necessarily really know what's going on or the struggles or the challenges that are going on with people. All we see is sort of the glory of the pictures and the stories. And so that we, again, put people on this pedestal to say, wow, they don't really struggle with real things. And we suddenly start to feel disconnected. And what I try to do is to allow myself to lean in and ask questions like, what's really going on? Or ask questions like, what's new and exciting? And I want to try and uncover and discover what's really going on in people's lives. Because I, again, with the philosophy that I believe that we're there together for a reason, I want to sort of try and uncover that. And I don't get, try and get weird about it. Well, I think we're here for a reason. So let's, you know, let's, let's really get down to brass tacks on that. I don't, I just simply try and be really authentic. And I talk about some of the things that I'm challenged by. And sometimes that opens up, opens the door for them to talk about some of the things that they're challenged by. And it's amazing how this reciprocal relationship goes on. How often do we say, you know, we, we see somebody, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Now, I don't feel like I can say anything other than I'm doing great if they ask the question back to me because that seems to be the level that they're on. And so, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Oh, me too. Great. Right. And we're off and we never see each other again. And that's it. And sometimes I have to take that opportunity to be real. And to be able to say, man, I'm really challenged. I'm in pain. I'm struggling. I'm whatever the case may be. Now, you know, I can't do that with every, you know, clerk at the grocery store, you know, so I've got to have some level of filter around this as well. But when I have the opportunity to be all in with somebody, I need to be authentic about that. And I've had just some amazing examples of that in my life that have shown me that, you know, people that I put on a pedestal. Uh, that looks like they, you know, looks like they almost levitate in their in their life, and they say, you know, things that are real, things that I relate to, the struggles, the fears, and my compassion just pours out, and I feel human again. Can you share an example? You know, obviously, I don't need to say a name, but I'm just curious if you have an example that would would come up that would be a, a good illustration of what you're talking about. You know, I have some friends of mine that own some pretty significant businesses. And, and it, it seems as though all they do is print money and go on amazing trips, right? They just, they, they, they have it figured out. And I've had the opportunity to sit down and ask them questions like, what keeps you up at night, right? And I, and I find out, I, you know, I have a, uh, I have a great friend um, that has, he has an out-of-state business and he travels there every single week to go and attend to the business matters. And he has decided that he, part of his sort of service plane of his life is that he brings in guys in recovery to come work for him. And it has, uh, it has been numerous occasions where he's gotten the call that so-and-so was found dead in their car after work, or that so-and-so, uh, is, uh, is, is back in prison. Uh, based upon decisions that they made. Uh, and, uh, and he just continues to stay all in on his decisions to want to keep his business focused on service uh, and, uh, and integrated into, in the uh, recovery community. Now, he could probably take a path of least resistance or less resistance and go and, and, and bring in different people and avoid that. But he's decided to be all in. 
And in doing that, he realizes that some of those things come up and that there is embezzlement that takes place. And there are people that steal from him and he's vulnerable to those things, but that, uh, that the juice is worth the squeeze for him. And that the gifts of being able to go attend a wedding for a gentleman that has worked for him for five years that came to him desperate and beaten and to see his life change and to to get calls from loan officers doing employment verifications to be able to get somebody into their first house at the age of 50 years old are the things that drive him and keep him going in the right direction. And him sharing those things with me just really, really have been impactful. Yeah, I imagine that's pretty powerful. We talked earlier about problems and, and you you actually, you know, words matter, right? And, and you said they're, they're not problems, they're challenges. And I could say the same thing about a failure, or you could call it, call it a failure, you could call it a challenge. But let, let's look back and we all have challenges in our life. What would you say was your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? It's a great question. My head goes to a lot of different places when I'm asked that question. And oh my goodness. So, you know, obviously it's tough being a high school dropout if you've never been one. It's real tough to go back and be a high school dropout too. So you can't really do that. You're either, you either were or you weren't. Most people weren't and you were likely on the right track. I remember what that felt like. And I felt like I was such a, uh, a horrible son and horrible brother. And uh, man, I just really know what that felt like sort of in my core. But that also had some externalities to it that needed to be addressed. Let me fast forward because let me take the externality out of the equation and say that, you know, I ended up getting ahead of myself in the real estate boom. In 2003, I guess it was, I made a decision that I was going to buy a house a year. And I just started on my path and I got ahead of myself and I started buying two and three houses a year. And I just, and I was selling some and keeping most and found myself in a position in late 2007 and I owned five homes and some of the mortgages were not quite advantageous. And as we all know what happened to the market and consolidation started taking place from a banking perspective and certain stipulations of some of these loans started to take place. And I found myself in 2011 and I was bankrupt. And I had been living a good, blessed, gifted life. And I was completely bankrupt and a couple of kids. And, and I had realized that greed had entered the equation and that uh, I had jumped at an opportunity that I thought was going to pay dividends. And ultimately it didn't. And what I found myself in was the state of Arizona allows you to have $150 in your bank account the day you file bankruptcy. No more than $150. And with two kids and uh, some responsibilities, that was a little scary place to be. And uh, I had to lean in to my tribe and to my faith and to my quiet time to know that everything was going to be okay. But what that did for me was it gave me an opportunity to grow like I hadn't grown maybe ever in my life about prioritizing and also about pausing when on a trajectory and bouncing things off. I wasn't bouncing my grand plan off too many guys in my network because I thought I had it all figured out. 
And my tribe wasn't fully aware of the decisions that I was making financially at the time when I was buying all those houses and what the plan was. And I didn't have a great feedback loop. And ultimately, I, uh, I, got, I got caught as many did with too many houses and uh, not enough income. And, uh, and, and that was it. And those houses were eventually sold and, and taken back and whatever they did. And, uh, and I've had an opportunity to really, really grow since then. And what was amazing, very similar to many of the other challenges that I've known of, uh, of a lot of business giants, was that when they come out of a situation such as that, they come out so much stronger and so much smarter as a result. It just shapes us. And I can absolutely attest to that shaping. And without that, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. I wouldn't have made the business decisions that I've made. And my life unfolded into incredible goodness as a result of walking through that challenge. And I leaned in and just said, I own this. I'm not blaming anybody. I own this. This is mine to own. And uh, things have gotten significantly better over the last uh, eight years since, uh, since that day happened. Isn't it amazing how that works, right? You get these experiences and they are painful. <laughs> They're so painful. And no matter how articulate or clear somebody telling you about that situation and trying to teach you about, hey, this could happen to you. This happened to me. It's never the same as it actually happening to you. <laughs> it, it just, it's just not. And so I think to your point is you're a better person as a result and it helped you grow. You learned a ton. You make better decisions as a result of that experience. And yet, no matter how many times we hear about those things, it's never more impactful than it actually happening to us ourselves. Really quick, Billy, the, the other piece to it is that it's given me an opportunity to relate to yet more people. Mm. Right. And so instead of this victim mentality, I, I, it was, it was t- turned around to say, I am now a greater asset on this planet from a relatability perspective because I walked through that. Yeah. That's a great distinction. Cause I know how important it is to you that you're making an impact in other people's lives on a daily basis. And this is not, this is like not overstating it, like multiple people on a daily basis. And you're that much more valuable because of these life experiences that you have. I want to talk about the concept of showing up. Hmm. You know, you and I spoke in the past and you mentioned something to me that stuck. And a lot of what we've talked about today is there are things that you feel passionately about. There are things that there are insights or moments or moments of clarity that have have shaped and and, and molded the, the person and human being that you are today. Talk about the importance of showing up and what that means. Yeah. So I think a lot of this sort of correlated back to a few of the other concepts that we've brought up to this point, right? Staying where my feet are and just being present. Showing up is also a modeling to other people about courage and trust. And all that I can do in my life is to continue to show up with courage and trust in the process. And so many times in my life, I've had people come back to me and say, I had courage to walk through this because I, I saw you walk through this. I saw you show up in my life when I was struggling with that. And now I can do that for other people. And this is simply a modeling, right? This is a monkey see, monkey do world that we live in. And I'm just trying to do a monkey see on, the, on positive and so that the other monkeys that do after me are spreading more positive. And I just have this philosophy that when when we do good, we receive good. 
And showing up 100% all in gives me an opportunity to do that. And sometimes that just showing up is what it takes. I mean, you know, (laughs) often we, we complicate things, but when we boil it down to the most fundamental and critical component is, are you actually showing up? Mm. You know, you mentioned the phrase all in a lot, and I want to kind of dive in and understand what that means to you. And also when you think about being all in and giving of yourself, how do you do that consistently and still have something left in the tank? It can be tough certain days, but I think that ultimately we have to be our own battery monitor, right? We know sort of where our energy and how much do we have left. And I've talked about it in the past about never giving 100%, just always having something left for that, maybe that next opportunity that may need us a little bit more. But being all in is so, so important to me in the respect that I don't have times that I'm thinking that I should be somewhere else. Like right now, as I'm here with you, Billy, I don't believe that I'm supposed to be somewhere else doing something else. I'm supposed to be right here, right now. And that is just exactly where the sort of celestial beings of this world have me be. And so I might as well be all in. And being all in also has me really engaged and focused. And so that's about sort of clearing away, right? My phone is in the off position or it's a silent position right now, right? I do not have email notifications that are popping up. I'm trying to keep my attention focused. We're, we're in this world that we're being pulled in so many different directions from an attention perspective. And the other piece to it is that I get opportunities to sit with people and for people to get real. And being all in is so critical there because... When somebody's pouring their heart out, it's really, really critical that, uh, that I'm not scattered and I'm not all over the place. And so this part of this is a practice. And when I can practice doing it in work and I can practice doing it with family, it sure pays off when that practice then needs to be sort of taken out to the, uh, the recovery community for me. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm being pulled in a million different directions at any one given time but I can stay where my feet are very easily. That's not hard to stay where my feet are. I just have to keep, uh, just keep focused, right? Stay right here, all in. And I want to make a distinction because I'm sure there's some audience members listening and say, well, he, earlier you said he, he doesn't give 100%. Now he's saying all in. I know that those mean two different things. And so I'm wondering if you could kind of really share the nuance and how you're able to be all in and be present and versus what we what we just discussed earlier, which is being able to have some of yourself ready to give for other needs that, that might pop up. Absolutely. Yeah. So all, all in is about physical presence, right? And being all in means I'm all here. I'm, you have 100% of me right here. Now, from an energy perspective, I can't give 100%. I can't dispel 100% of my energy to any one activity. Because if I do, I'm going to be in a position where I have nothing to give when something else potentially comes into my life or that potentially there's a, a situation. Uh, you know, we, we've all been there, right? Where we're, uh, you know, Billy, you could, you could talk about doing some of the most amazing trainings that I can remember in the past. And you, you know, it's a full day deal and you're having to pour an enormous amount of energy in. 
but you still have to get back to your hotel room or get back to your house or you've got a dinner afterwards or whatever the case may be. And if there's not at least something left in the tank as far as energy is to give, you have a really good possibility of just being checked out and not being present. When in fact, that being present may be the most important presence of the day that might be required of you. Right. And if it's not left in the tank, at least there's some charge left in the battery for those Tesla owners, which I know you have a few Teslas yourself. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's a lot that we talked about. We're going to go into our lightning round in a couple minutes here. But before we do, I just want to make sure that we kind of circle the wagons when it comes to leadership. And, you know, you talked about vulnerability, you talked about being present we've covered a lot of ground as it relates to some of the things that you've done in your life that have set you up for success. You know, we talked about your daily routine, but you, you've hired managers, you've developed managers and, and, and you've helped them become extraordinary leaders. What else haven't we talked about that's important to you when you think of the qualities that are most important for a leader to be successful? What are some of those other qualities that you think are invaluable? Great question. Humility is one of those funny little double-edged swords. Cause as soon as you say that you're humble, you're not. So it's one of these funny little things. I always where... think that it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> so... I'm really humble. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Humility is one of those, one of those realities though, that I think that the further that we go in our given careers or political, whatever the case may be, right. The various areas of our life, we have a, a tendency to maybe our head gets a little bit bigger than, than it should. And staying humble for me ties back to service work. You know, when I can go into a facility and spend some time with some guys that are just simply trying to get back on their feet, maybe they're coming out of jail or prison and they're just simply trying to get back on their feet after making some very poor decisions. I have this really amazing ability to get a healthy sense of perspective on the life that I have. And that, that helps keep me grounded aka humble but also this just this idea of staying willing to help right staying willing to help in every area of their life putting their work and their entire life on a service plane is really really key and i've talked about this in the past we haven't talked about it today so thanks for the opportunity is not abandoning the things that keep them healthy and you know i'll personalize this I can't abandon the things that keep me healthy, right? And, you know, for me, that is, that is service work. For me, that's, uh, that's physical exercise. It is things like driving fast cars and doing really fun things. And I can't abandon that, right? For some people, it's about concerts and uh, yoga and playing soccer and rock climbing. We can't abandon those things because it, we have a tendency to get really, really busy in a, in a in a business or in a new career. And we have a tendency when we say, oh, we're all in, that means all of our time. That's not what that means. I have partitioned my time to say, I can give so much to my business and I can give so much to this sort of the service world in my life and to my family, but I can't say, I'm going to work a hundred hours a week on this one, any one given project. And, oh, I'll have to, I'm going to have to put off rock climbing for a little while and I'm going to have to put off. I can't go to that concert because I'm, I'm going to be bored. Those are the things that feed us and recharge our batteries. And what's so amazing is that when we stop doing those things, it creates a vicious cycle in our life to where we are 
we, we're starting to tap out, starting to burn out. And as a result, our work life or our work product starts to diminish considerably. And that has a tendency to create, the cycle starts to accelerate because then we're not getting enough out of work and we have to go even further and put more work in. And what I encourage everybody to do is find that number that works for them from a work perspective. My number is actually, believe it or not, my number is between 30 and 40 hours a week is what I put into work. And I actually don't put any more than that because I'm actually not that much more effective beyond that. And I can get a lot done so long as I've set myself up foundationally to be able to maximize those opportunities in those 30 to 40 hours a week. And I can still go out and do all the fun stuff that life has to offer and get really, really involved in people's lives outside of work and get that healthy sense of perspective. And I just know what my number is and I stick to it. Yeah. And I think you said it, right? It's about effectiveness. It's not about time. You could spend 80 hours and be ineffective, or you could spend 20 effective hours and get as much accomplished. I'm going to give you three concepts before we get into leaving a legacy. They're unrelated to a certain degree, but they're things that you've brought up to me in the past. One is breathing and the importance of breathing. And we talked a little bit about meditation, but I want to talk about breathing. The second thing is you mentioned something about shining the light in the nooks and crannies of our lives. I Mm -hmm. I want you to talk about that. And then the third thing is swimming pool problems. I know they relate back to some of the things that we've talked about during our session today, but for the audience listening, what do those three things mean? Okay, absolutely. So let's start with swimming pool problems, because if I've got a swimming pool, I probably don't have that many problems. Let's be really honest. So I have a tendency to in my life that if I don't go out and get a healthy sense of perspective, I start to think as though I do have problems, right? The things that start to compound such as, oh man, I've got this algae buildup happening in my pool or the pool pump isn't working as effectively. And that suddenly starts to feel like weight on my shoulders that I have to solve, right? As opposed to being able to go out and talk to people that are struggling with chemotherapy, right? And they're struggling with being able to get a vehicle that they can get equipped for their wheelchair, And these are the types of perspectives that I try to go out and receive to get a really, really healthy dose in my own life that challenges are just challenges that I need to go and overcome and that I really, really don't have problems. And if I don't have problems, it's my responsibility to go help people that do have problems. And problems are things that are really, I love that. Can you say that one more time? I mean, that's just, I want to underline and bold that. Say that one more time. So- when I have challenges in my life, right? I, I, I really don't have problems, right? Like problems are, are, are situations that are obviously rocking people's world, right? And when, when I don't have problems, right? It's really, really important for me to go seek out people that do, right? So that I can be of service. So good. Thank you. So, okay. So that's, that's a simple problem. So what about shining a flashlight in the nooks and crannies of our lives? What do you mean when you say that? What, what does that tie back to? Man, you know, every one of us has a story and every one of us has a past. And, you know, the, the simple reality is some of us have done things that we're not all that proud of. And sometimes that shame can guide us and, and direct us down some really unhealthy paths. And whether it's, whether it's within a religious body or whether it's within, uh, you know, a trusting individual, 
to be able to get those things out, to be able to talk about them, to no longer live in a world of secrets. I've seen people get an incredible amount of freedom and not everything that I do, I'm proud of, right? I've, uh, you know, I've caught myself in situations where, you know, somebody is, uh, is, is doing things that I'm aren't of my liking out on the roadways of America. And I'll give them the, uh, I'll give them the one finger salute. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not proud of when I do that. And, uh, and when I talk about, when I talk about the fact that, that I felt I fell short of uh, sort of my ideal, it helps two ways. Number one, I no longer have to live this lie that I'm somebody that I'm not. Number two, I also show somebody else that I'm human and I give them the authorization in the future to wrap themselves out on something small or big that's going on in their life that potentially is having an impact. There's a saying that I heard many years ago is that it's rare that bears ruin a picnic. It's most often the ants. And it's these little things, these insidious little things that can happen in my life that can chew away at the foundation and the goodness that's happening. Wow. I haven't heard of that one, but it's so true, right? It's going to be far more common that it's the little things that disrupt what we're doing than it is the random big thing that happens less frequently, like a a bear uh, interrupting your picnic. And (laughs) And as you talk about kind of the freedom and liberation that one gets by not allowing the secrets of our lives take us hostage and having them internalized within us and instead being open and and the freedom and again, the liberation that provides is powerful. I just a minute ago talked about breathing and, and that goes down to the rituals, the habits, the daily things that you're doing. Talk a little bit about the, the breathing exercises that you do and then any other habits or rituals that that you haven't already talked about that play an important role. And then we'll move into the final question before the lightning round. Absolutely. Yeah. Breathing is one of these things that I, I wish I was better. I wish I was more consistent at it because what generally how it works out, I, actually what would be helpful is if I just tattooed behind my eyelids, breathe, I would be reminded of it much more frequently. But I, but I just have a tendency to have really shallow breaths until I catch myself. You know what's hard is having bad posture and taking a deep breath, <laughs> right? So breath is also about you know a, a stretching out of of my muscles and my rib cage and just taking a nice nice deep breath. Gosh, it just really does amazing things to me. Now, when I'm caught up in the heat of the moment of of maybe something challenging, is I I, I easily forget it, and the more that I do it the more intrinsic it is in my daily life. And so what I do is part of, of having a really strong tribe around me where we're kind of connected and talking about things like breathing and shining the flashlight in the crannies of our lives and being really accountable and, and the insight timer of, of being really connected is that when I do that, we, we talk about it a lot. We end up sort of shaping our lives around this foundation of things that we do about, Hey, you know, when was the last time you went to the gym? Right. You know, how, how, how are you eating? And these, this is all sort of a built-in accountability that really helps out. And when I'm asking somebody about it, gosh, I better be practicing that myself as well. And so it it has a tendency to create a lot of insulation for me and having a strong tribe of accountability and uh, I would say that's probably the, the single most important thing about staying 
sort of grounded in some of the daily rituals. Yeah. Earlier when we were talking, you mentioned the importance of living your legacy. I'm fascinated by that notion. Share what it means and why it's so important. Gosh, this one is near and dear to my heart because a legacy is, is you know, I, I likely won't have a headstone, but if I did, I, I, I envision what would be written on it. And it's really, really important that I practice these things now. It's, I find so often that people focus on living their legacy when they're, let's just use the word later. <laughs> right? It's, it's, you know, I'll focus on that someday down the road. And what, what ends up happening is that a, a legacy is built based on daily activities and daily interactions and daily impact. And what I've got to do is I've tried to focus on what type of impact and impact is not forced impact. You know, I, I generally don't go, okay, here's where I'm going to be of impact. Many times I find myself extraordinarily surprised where I've had impact on any given day. And it was completely unexpected that I had impact there, but I was present. I stayed where my feet were and I was cognizant of the reality that I had an opportunity to be of impact there. And I mentioned this previously is that, you know, my, my head likes to say, if I can't be everything to everybody, then I'm going to be nothing to everybody, right? I just, I'm I'm not going to have any impact at all. I'm just, if I can't be perfect, then I'll just, I'm not even going to try. And the philosophy that I've ingrained is that if I can be something to somebody, today was a great day. If I can be something to somebody, today's going to be a great day. And just looking and focusing on where I can have an impact and being really, really conscious of the interactions that are taking part in my life. That when I look at that, you know, I started my journey into recovery 9,200 days ago. And 9,200 days, now I haven't had 9,200 days that I've had an impact on people's lives. Now, there have been days that I've had multiple impact on a single day, but I've had days that I had very little impact. Maybe that I was a little too self-absorbed that day, right? Maybe I just didn't give of myself. You know, my insight timer keeps track every day that I'm actually plugging in and getting connected. And I had, last week, I had two days that I didn't get connected. And I, you know, we were traveling. We had some other things going on. By the way, those are excuses. And I didn't get connected. And, And I liked that accountability. It brought it to the surface. And all I've got to do is focus on every day, I've got to be something to somebody on this planet. And when I can do that, gosh, it builds this muscle inside of me that uh, that stays really, really strong. If I'm waiting for that day of maybe retirement or just less stuff on my plate of before I'm impactful, that day may never come because I may die of a heart attack, you know, just trying to get there because I'm just trying to grip and grind through so much of life. And, uh, and so today I just try and live my life on that service plane and, uh, it seems to be working pretty good. Well, I can tell you with great confidence that today you're something to a lot of some buddies. Uh, and I hope that the listeners appreciate your insights so far. So we're going to get into the lightning round. This is a series of questions that are, uh, situational, very quick 
hitting questions. Um, some of them I've shared, but I haven't shared every one of them with you to keep uh, the element of surprise. So <laughs> the first question is, what excites you? My goodness, what excites me? Oh my gosh. Changing people's lives. Let me just clarify, and then we can, we can, we can really treat this like a lightning round. I'm not necessarily looking to change all, everybody's lives. Somebody that's good going to great. I really, really get excited when somebody goes from miserable to good. Hmm. Somebody that goes from hopeless to hopeful. Okay. I love it. What scares you? Complacency scares me. Getting comfortable. Letting the life that all of this connectedness has brought me getting the way of my, my life of staying connected, right? Getting too full, getting too busy. Okay. What surprises you? Gosh, I think what surprises me the most is how few people, how few people really lean into their life, how few people really go all in and really set their life out of making an impact on the world. You know, the 80-20 the principle that exists out there is rings true in so many worlds, right? And so the service work that exists in the world, 80% of it is done by 20% of the people, likely less than that. Uh, but it still just surprises me that uh, the Pareto p- principle uh, is uh, rings so true within, uh, within that area of the world. You and me both. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's shocking, in fact. Okay, what book have you recommended more than any other book and why? The Go-Giver. And The Go-Giver is, uh, is a book that is that practices what I preach, right? And it's just about living our life on service. And what's amazing about a, a book like The Go-Giver is that it teaches us not, we're not always going to have visibility to the outcome but that we have to trust that when we do good, we receive good. And that all we do is we trust in the process, right? Going back to just rowing, you know, rowing the canoe, not, a, not necessarily establishing direction. It, I don't necessarily know where any particular project or business um, venture is going to end up, but it's just my responsibility to remain of service in it. May not go anywhere, all good. May end up somewhere amazing, all good either way. And what I love about The Go-Giver is it's a short read. So for those of you listening who haven't read it, you could do what I did and get an audio book and literally take a walk and listen to the entire thing. Or if you want the actual book version, it's, I don't even know how many pages it is because I didn't get the book version, but it's very short and it is a powerful message. So strongly recommend it as well. Absolutely. Okay. So if you could spend one hour with anyone living or dead, who would it be and why? Gandhi. And I don't know why. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I don't blame you. I would be fascinated to understand who he is. I don't think you even need a why. It's Gandhi. Okay. If you had a chance, what would you tell your 20-year-old self and why? And, and, and for purposes of, of you specifically, you could change that age to 18, 16, 21. You get where I'm going. I know that there, those were very important years to you. So pick a year and also what would you tell yourself? So I tell myself two things, relax, it's going to be all good. And number two is quit spending so much time outside of the moment. I spent a lot of my teenage and and my twenties outside of the moment, always 
fascinated around when I was going to arrive at said place, right? With said car, with said fill in the blank, right? And I just, I missed a lot of amazing moments with not being where my feet were. Okay. If you feel comfortable sharing, when was the last time you cried and why? Goodness gracious. The last time that I cried, it was last week and I was watching something and I don't remember. Oh, it was, it was the America's Got Talent. It was like a golden buzzer of, of somebody that was a special needs um, uh, special needs gentleman that went out there and uh, was uh, just a spectacular singer, um, uh, severely autistic, but uh, but could communicate uh, perfectly through through song. I know exactly who you're talking about. I shed a tear as well. That, and I normally don't shed a tear from watching things, but man, that was powerful. Powerful. Do you have any regrets in life? And if so, what are they? I live a life of no regrets. That's probably the best way I can put it because regrets mean that I should have done something differently. And I have this philosophy on life that everything has happened the way that it's supposed to. And uh, so the simple reality is it's my job to row the canoe, but not, not my job to establish direction. So I would say maybe if I, if I was uh, forced to say a regret is that there have been times that I didn't row my canoe enough. I didn't put in enough action, even though I was expecting an outcome. Yeah. And if you're not rowing, you're just standing still. And we already know you don't like complacencies. So. I do not like it. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give a new leader just starting out in their career? Man, it would be to, uh, it, it would be to stay humble, stay hungry, uh, and focus on focus on people, right? Don't don't even don't even worry about outcomes. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about stack rankings. Just completely focus on inspiring people and making sure that they feel really really comfortable, both coming to you as a leader as well as being a team member. Yes, great advice. So you've shared so much of yourself about yourself. I think we've gotten a chance to really get to know you in the time that we've spent together today. What may surprise the audience about you that we haven't yet heard? Well, I would say the pro- probably the one thing that would surprise most people is that I'm a very good table tennis player. Most people call it ping pong, but when you're actually in the world of the sport, it is called table tennis. And uh, <laughs> I, was a, I, I have been a ranked player in the past and played in at a at a pretty high level. Amazing. I did not know that. Remind me uh next time we're around a table to te- I don't even know what you call it. If it's a, is it a table? Do you just call it a table tennis table? What, it's a what, table what, tennis table. <laughs> table tennis table. Uh I just call it a ping pong table. I have a ping pong table. So if you ever visit me, we could play table tennis on the ping pong table. Um, I'm sure I'm sure you'll smoke me, but at least maybe I'll learn something. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll gain some perspective. Speaking of perspective, you, that's been an ongoing theme in your life. It's been something you've talked about a lot today. When people hear perspective and they hear the importance of it, what advice do you have to them in order to change their own perspective? What a great question. I think there's, uh, there's two things that come to mind for me. There's one, which is the here and now. What can I do right now to change my perspective? For me, it's writing down 10 things that I'm grateful for. That has proven to work every single time that I've implemented it since I started doing it 25 years ago. 
writing 10 things down that I'm grateful for. The other piece to it is go and get involved in service. Call call the soup kitchen, call uh, you know, the uh, uh, Feed My Starving Children is a, another organization. There are plenty of organizations that need the help and want the help. Have an opportunity to go and help others, and I can guarantee your perspective will change, both of your present circumstances as well as future. You've inspired me. And, and, and service is something that, you know, I went to a school, it's a Jesuit school, Loyola Marymount, where very much was a common theme of service and serving others. And I, I was part of a service organization there. And I will say, if I'm being super vulnerable, I don't feel like I've done enough service uh, in my adult life. And so I, I think I need to flex that muscle some more. So thank you for that inspiration. Thank you for being vulnerable too. <laughs> you know, it's life's short. It's be vulnerable. Let's lay our, put, That's our right. cards in the, put our cards on the table. Let's live gonna, our legacy, brother. I'm not going to pretend I'm something I'm not uh, or, or, or try to say that I am. I, I've done something that I haven't done. Okay. So if there's one word that signified success, what would that one word be? It would be service for me. I had a feeling that was what you were going to say. That's yeah. uh, not, not, not surprising and, and such a great word to represent uh, you and also to represent success. So in closing, you've shared so much. I'm sure there's uh, you know, hours that we could continue to talk. But to give you a sort of a softball for the last question, what haven't you shared yet that you would like to share in the in these few remaining minutes? Yeah, I think that if I was to pick out sort of one thing that that maybe we haven't talked much about, which is continue to fuel your passions. Right, every one of us has an idea of what drives us and what inspires us and what gets us excited, and regardless of that level of uh, elevation within business uh, and within your personal life. Never stop doing those things that that really, really drive you. Those are the things that really recharge my batteries. Things that really keep me excited. Right, and for me, it's travel. For me, it's driving fast cars. Um, I absolutely love what I drive. That's sort of one of the things that sort of one of my driving principles. I can't drive boring cars. Uh, and I just know that about myself. And so I, I, I continue to feed that, right? I, I scratch that itch, right? Um, if, if you're into rock climbing, don't ever deprioritize rock climbing. Make sure that you do it. It's so amazing how, these, how the world can pull us away from those things that some people think is optional. And uh, there are many things that happen in my life that I no longer consider as optional, such as working out, eating right and really, really feeding myself from a connectedness perspective, right? I call it spirituality. It's just about getting connected to the universe. And and I need that as much as I need as air, food, and water. And I just make sure that I don't allow things to get in the way of, uh, of not prioritizing it. Well said. Well, Chris, I'm so grateful and humbled to have you on the show today. You absolutely did not disappoint. You threw down so many incredible insights and concepts and values that matter. And as someone who has really led a life that is deserving of the type of legacy that you, that you have, I think it's a shining example of what it means to serve others, of what it means to give of yourself instead of just take, take, take. What a contrast to maybe what it could have been if you didn't make the changes necessary to be the person you are today. You're an incredible father. You're an incredible husband. You're an incredible leader. 
you're an incredible human being and somebody that I'm just so absolutely extraordinarily grateful to call a friend. So thank you for your time today and really, really appreciate you sharing yourself and being so vulnerable with us on today's show. Billy, thank you so much, man. You've, uh, you've put in a lot of heavy lifting to put this podcast together. I can't tell you how excited I am to listen to, uh, to, listen to all of your guests. Uh, I-, I saw your roster, man. You got some heavy hitters coming in. The fact that I'm even on that list, I think, I, I think a, a few people were on vacation, but uh, man, I am so excited to be able to, uh, to be a part of it. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Insight Out. I hope you enjoyed the show and I really hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in your career, in your business, or in your life. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. This is extremely helpful and I can't tell you how much I would appreciate it. Also, if you haven't checked out our website yet, you can find us on the interweb at insightoutshow.com. On the site, you'll find tons of great content, including all of our podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, and the all-important link to support this show through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's an amazing platform that helps creators gain the support they need to continue creating. And remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.